And Father, we ask that your spirit would keep our hearts in tune with you this morning, that as we have the privilege of opening up your word, which is truth, which is eternal, uh, we ask that you would teach us, uh, that you would make our our hearts and our minds moldable, uh, that you would continue to transform our minds uh, so that we think uh, more in line with your will uh, and that we would, as a result, uh, be a light in this dark world uh, so that others may see uh, the love and the joy and the hope and the peace that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray all these things in his name. Amen. Well, open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. It's been a few weeks since I've been able to say that. Uh, And today we are going to uh, start, uh, I guess, after that big long sentence that we spent months going through as we took a look at the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. Uh, And we're going to see uh, Paul, your transition in verse 15, uh, as he uh, gives a, uh, a, a opportunity for us to see the importance of not only giving thanks to God, uh, but also uh, a, a reason to pray uh, in relation to what God has given us in these spiritual blessings. So let's go ahead and pick up in verse 15, and we're just going to uh, read that verse this morning because that is our text. Uh, it says, For this reason... Because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And that's where we're going to stop. For this reason. Now, anytime that you you take a look at the word of God, uh, and this is something that I cannot stress enough, uh, is the importance of making sure that you look at the context of what you read. Um, It is not a good habit uh, contextually. It's not a good habit scripturally to just read a verse all by itself and then therefore draw from that some sort of conclusion or application uh, that may not be in line with what uh, the uh, literal truth of what God is trying to communicate. Uh, And Paul here, as he is starting in this uh, transitionary section, uh, starting with verse 15, he says, for this reason. So for what reason is he speaking about? Uh, Well, you have to go back to what he just got done in a beautiful form um, from verses 3 through 14, uh, speak to, because it's for that reason. So the reason he's speaking of is the blessings of salvation that originate with the Father, become ours in the Son, and is realized through the Spirit, that God chose us, predestined us, adopted us, redeemed us, forgave us, lavished his grace upon us, gave us spiritual knowledge, gave us practical knowledge, gave us an inheritance, and sealed us with the Holy Spirit as a guarantee, all to the praise of his glory. That is a summation statement of verses 3 and following. Uh, And that is exactly the reason for which Paul is going to go into this next section. He's saying in light of that, because this is a reality in your life, and as you remember, these, uh, this letter was written to uh, the saints that are in Ephesus, those that are faithful in Christ Jesus, as it tells us back in verse 1. And so anyone that was going to read this letter, he's saying, because this is true about you, because this is true about God, this is what we should do as a result of that. Uh, and so he says, before this reason, which not only looks back, 
But I would even go on to say that it actually looks forward to what he's about to say, which is what we find in verse 15. Because for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. So what Paul is realizing, what Paul is proclaiming here is that there has been a change because the God of all has come into their lives and changed them from the inside out. And as a result of that change, he is saying uh, it has produced an outcome. And see, this is something that as we in believers in 2022, as we look at ourselves, when we examine ourselves according to the word of God, it's for the purpose of making sure that there is an actual outcome uh, as a result of what God has done. Because if you cannot see, uh, as it were, the fruit of what work God has done through Christ uh, as a seal of the Holy Spirit on salvation in your life, then you need to examine to determine whether or not you belong to God at all. Because what's going to happen is, is God doesn't just come in and save. God comes in and saves and changes and continues to change. And that's, you know, as we look at the scriptures is what we speak about in relation to the work of sanctification. He continues to make us holy as he is holy. And so as that happens, it is going to change how you think, how you speak, how you act who you are in the world in which you live, so much so that the rest of the world isn't going to recognize you. And if you had friends or family or or, or co-workers or uh, people that you came in contact with, you know, as you go to the hardware store or the grocery store, you know, if Christ has come into your life, people are going to know it because you're not going to be the same individual because God does not come in just to save He comes in to completely change who we are. So he says there uh, in verse 15, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. So because of what God had done in the lives of these saints in Ephesus, Paul is hearing about their faith. So it's not something that they're suppressing in some way, uh, because the, the fact is, is when the Spirit of God is indwelling a believer things are going to happen. Good things are going to happen because he's not only going to give us his fruit that is going to produce fruit, but he's also taking away that which used to define us, you know, and as, as it were taking and, you know, adding beautiful facets uh, to that faith that it began as a, uh, a, a small thing that will continue to grow over time. He says, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul is recognizing the genuineness of their faith. And the thing is, as you come to church on Sunday, people should recognize the genuineness of your faith. When you go to the grocery store, people should recognize the genuineness of your faith. When you're doing dealings at work, people should recognize the genuineness of your faith. Because you don't separate it. It's not a, there's not a box of faith and a, and a box of life. Okay? Because the only reason that you have life is because of the God who gives you that gift of faith. And so the two are completely intertwined. And that's why there's no mistaking a genuine believer in Jesus Christ. Because God is continuing to do that great work that he began and will finish. Bring it to completion, the scriptures say. 
And so Paul is recognizing this in these believers uh, in the, the church in Ephesus. So what a testimony to the fact that God is changing people even here in Ephesus uh, in the first century. And that nothing has changed. God hasn't changed. The only thing that's changed is the date on the calendar. But God has not. So if God is working through believers in Ephesus in the first century, then guess what? God's going to be working through believers in 2022. See, faith is a gift from God. And see, this is a difference. And even in this past week, I I came across a pastor that I, I won't speak of in another church, in a big church, that talked about giving his faith to somebody else as if he was God himself, that he had the ability to give them faith to believe. I can't give you faith to believe because faith is a gift of God. God is the one who gives you faith. And see, that's why there's a change. Because if I was able to give you faith and it came from a a tainted source, which is exactly what I am, I'm still a sinner, but I've been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But the thing is, faith as that gift has to come from the perfect God of all. And that's why there is a change. Because faith is a gift from God and is an expression of one's trust in God. So in other words, there's a direct result of God coming into my life. There's a direct result of God coming into your life. That the things that you used to have desires for, you no longer should have desires for, especially if they are things of the flesh. But all of a sudden, you have a desire to read the Word of God. So if you don't have a desire to read the Word of God and to study it, then you need to examine to know whether or not you truly belong to God. Because the Spirit of God dwells in genuine believers and gives you a hunger and a thirst for the Word of God. If you don't spend time in prayer, and that's more than just at the dinner table, That's more than just when you find yourself in a panic state and need something from God. The thing is, is what God does is he comes in and changes you so much so that there's a different expression of who you are. Your identity uh, has been changed. It's no longer about you. It's about God. And so he comes in and he changes. and, And the expression of everything that you are each and every day continues to grow. So much so that you can't even hold it in. It just comes flowing out. It comes flowing out in acts of kindness that you would do that you may or may not have done before, but you may or may not have done them for the particular reason that may have been for your own personal benefit. But now because of the grace of God in your life, you're able to do something out of kindness for that individual and for the glory of God. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. And I think Paul's uh, choice of words here is interesting because he says, Lord Jesus. And see, this is a testimony to what happens because Jesus isn't just Savior, he is Lord. Because you used to be, you know, even, uh, you know, by what God has given you prior to Christ, you thought you were the Lord of your own circumstances. I am the master of my destiny. You see, when God saves someone, he saves them completely. And so what used to be everything that defined you is no longer that. Instead, the one who is your Lord is your Savior. 
He is the one who guides you and directs you and is the one that you live for, no longer living for yourself. I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. Then he says, and, so he adds something else. So not only is their faith, uh, you know, seen visibly so that Paul is hearing about it where he is, he says, and your love toward all the saints. I've heard of your love toward all the saints. See, love is an evidence of genuine saving faith. A love not for this world, but a love for those who are also in the same uh, situation of grace and mercy of God, where Jesus is your Lord. See, this genuine faith in God produces something. There is an outcome. There is something that comes as a result of saving faith is that it first produces an actual love for God because you're no longer in love with yourself, no longer in love with the world, and you love because God first loved you. So there's a genuine love for God as a result of this genuine faith in God, but there's also something else that it produces, and that is a love for others a love toward all the saints. So that means that you have to love me no matter what. There's no condition or or clause here. The thing is, is that you're to love me because God loves you. And because God loves you, you're going to love those who God loves. That's what defines you. That's what changes. God gives you the ability to love the unlovable. And I'll tell you what, there are times when I'm unlovable. Just not very much. (laughs) I wish. (laughs) But see, the thing is, is that there's a, you know, the Spirit of God does something miraculous in you. Because he gives you the ability to love someone that maybe said something awful about you. Even somebody that's a brother and sister in Christ. You know, one of the things that I've learned in, you know, uh, going on 25 years of ministry is that, you know, as we think about the shepherd and the sheep, is to remember that sheep bite and kick. So even within the church, even within the, the brotherhood and sisterhood of the Lord Jesus Christ, as part of the church of God, as part of the bride of Christ, There can be times where maybe someone else does something to you that hurts or sometimes when you do something to hurt someone else. And the thing is, is that even though you may do that or they may do that to you, you are still supposed to love them because God loves you. This theme, as you you take a look at the New Testament and particularly in Paul's letters, He couples these two things together. So if there is genuine faith in God, then there's going to be a genuine love for God and a genuine love for uh, all the saints. That means every brother and sister in the Lord, everyone who's put their faith and trust in Christ, no matter what they do, no matter what they say. Because the thing is, is if we could do things right all the time, then we would get along and we would love one another. But the thing is, relationships are hard. We say and do things, we think things that we should not do. 
But see, the thing is, is God comes in to change us from the inside out. And he can give you a love for someone, you know, in particular, as you think about a marriage situation, maybe where a spouse treats you in a harmful way because they say mean and vicious things against you, not building you up, not loving you or respecting you, as the scriptures tell us to do. Husbands are to love their wives. Wives are to respect their husbands. But see, within that relationship, there's still sin involved, and so sometimes things do not go the way they should. But see, God can even give you a love that goes beyond that hurt. And you think, well, you know, how is that even possible? How can I love someone who said that or did that? Well, back up to Calvary. How could Jesus, God's son, love us when we've said that and done that? See, that's the difference. That's why salvation belongs to God. That's why faith is a gift of God, because only God can come in and change the parameters. He's the only one who can change the circumstances. He's the only one who can come in and change and give us something that in the flesh we cannot do. It's the spirit of God who does this in and through us. And so Paul, as he, you know, you look, and I, I didn't, this is not exhaustive in any way, but you don't have to flip there. You can write down these references if you want. But he couples faith and love. Um, and this faith and love are evidence of our partaking in God's sovereign plan of salvation. Everything that we said for this reason, as we looked backwards in the text, for verses thir- uh, 3 through 14. But in Colossians chapter 1, verse 4, He says, we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. Boy, that sounds really familiar, doesn't it? Philemon, verse 5, I hear of your love and your faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and all the saints. Do you see? This is not just a, 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 a common greeting that Paul is saying. He's not just saying this to put words on a page. This is a reality because God has come in and changed people. And so not only is their faith evident but their love for God is evident and their love for the brothers and sisters in Christ is evident. 2 Thessalonians 1.3, your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Do you see? God's doing a great work. He's continuing to change you, to make you more like him. I think the most vivid one is in 1 Timothy chapter 1 because Paul even speaks of his own personal transformation. Listen to what it says in verses 12 through 14. Paul says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. So you see, this is everything that Paul was, but he's thanking Christ because of the strength he's given him, because he's appointed him as a a minister of the gospel. It says there in uh, verse uh, 13, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Do you hear Paul speaking about what God did in changing him? He was insolent. He was a persecutor. He was a a blasphemer. He was acting ignorantly in unbelief. 
Now, if you would have talked to him as a Pharisee, he would have said, oh, no, absolutely not. I've got it all figured out. You know, I have a love for God, but it's a God of my own making because I've added, you know, to everything of God's law, all these other laws that God did not, you know, say was part of of his law. You know what? And I'm better than everybody else. You know, the Pharisee looking down over his nose at people. But according to Paul, he was acting ignorantly in unbelief. The grace of our Lord overflowed for me. Because God can love even the unlovable through Christ. With the faith and love that are in Christ. See, that gift of faith produces a love. A love for God and a love for brothers and sisters in Christ. If you remember back to our time in the book of James, chapter 2, speaking more to this whole evidence because, you know, love is an evidence of this genuine faith in Christ. And it says in James 2.26, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So what James was saying here is that, you know what, if you have genuine saving faith, then it is going to work. That work is not as a uh, is not meant to gain or to somehow have a partnership in earning salvation because that's not what James is talking about. Paul and James are not speaking two different truths. What James is articulating is is that faith, genuine faith in Christ, works. We know in Ephesians it tells us that there are works prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Well, one of the works that God does is give us a love for him, but also a love for others, a love for all the saints. We know from John fifteen eight that true disciples are fruit bearers. It says there, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So if you are not bearing fruit, if you're not seeing an evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in your life, if you don't have a, a desire to be in the Word of God, if you don't have a desire to commune with God in prayer, if you don't you know, desire and, and welcome the opportunity to gather together to worship God on Sunday or uh, you know, whatever day of the week it is for a Bible study, then are you truly a disciple? Because it says here, My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. See, there's a result. There is something that takes place. There is a change that happens. It's not just saying words of a prayer that saves you. It's receiving the free gift of God through Christ, repenting of your sins, which repentance is a turnaround you, 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 you turn away from sin and toward God. And what it does is it creates a, an, an atmosphere by the power of God for good works to be done. Not for salvation, but as an evidence, as a proof of what God has already done. Much like baptism is an evidence or a proof of what God has already done in salvation. Because baptism does not save. Even though we're commanded to to go make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, 
Baptism doesn't save. But baptism is an evidence of what God has already done. It's a testimony. And so love for God and love for the saints is a testimony to saving faith, to genuine faith. Because our love for our fellow brothers or believers um, stems out of a love for God. Listen to what it says in 1 John chapter 4. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he does not love his brother whom he is, I'm sorry, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Because that is a result, that is an evidence, that is what happens when God comes into your life. He gives you the ability to do something you would not have naturally done. Because in the sinful flesh, you do not naturally love everyone else above yourself. There's always going to be times when you think, whether, or you say, or you do things. It's really, truly only about you. And you can go all the way back to the Garden of Eden and see that. When they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it was all about Adam and Eve. It was no longer about God. Love for our fellow believers is evidence that we have passed out of death and into life. Also in 1 John uh, chapter 3, it says, We know we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. See, there, there, there is no fudging that. There isn't a separate box for your spiritual life and your, your, you know, your physical life. You know, your, your, your walk with God and how you treat your spouse. Your communion with God and how you speak to your coworkers. They're not separate. They're together. And what God is doing is he's changing who you are. You've passed from death to life. It also uh, shows a love for our fellow uh, beloved, or believers, if I can get the words out this morning, Um, It actually must be the same. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. That's what God does. That's why the church is, is the body of Christ. Just because you come into the church doesn't mean you are part of the church. And we use the analogy that no more than you being a french fry uh, makes you a happy meal. You know, the thing is, just because you associate with something does not mean that that's who you are. But see, the thing is, is in relation to salvation, in relation to faith, there is no... No doubt. You know, did you hear the words? You must have. There is a, a definite change. You are no longer dead. You're alive. And so everything that defines you as you were dead, that's no longer part of you. Because you're alive. God is doing a great work. The last one there in relation to... Uh, 
a love for our fellow believers. Uh, I said I did it again. I'm stumbling over that word. Brothers and sisters in Christ, believers. That's why I use the word believers because it's uh, all of us. Uh, it's a witness to the world. And see, this is where the rubber meets the road because this is why there is a, a definitive change. This is why you need to make sure that you're genuinely saved. Make sure that you have a genuine faith in God. Because you know the scriptures say that, you know, didn't you, we do X, Y, and Z? And what is God going to say? Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Depart from me. I never knew you. See, the thing is, just coming to church does not mean that you are a believer in Jesus Christ. You're a believer in Jesus Christ if you receive the gift of faith. And you can see, as a result of that gift of faith, a love for God and a love for the saints. Because your faith will work. It will accomplish. It will do things, and that is be a witness to the world. John 13, verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you. So this is new. Because this is what happens when Jesus Christ comes into a life. This is what happens when the Holy Spirit is with you 24-7. That you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Verse 35. By this. So in other words, as a result of the fact that God loved you through his son Jesus Christ, gave you the gift of faith, and you have believed in him for salvation, now you too love God by this, all people will know. All people will know that you are my disciples. So what are they going to know? That you're a disciple of God. Because you're not the same individual. Because God has come in and done a great work. He's taken what is dead and made it alive. If you have love one for another. So the thing is, if you don't have a love for the brothers... And sisters in Christ, if there's animosity there or if you, you look at opportunities and say, you know what, uh, I don't know what's different about Pastor Bill, but what does he have that I don't have? Well, see, that's a litmus test. That doesn't mean I always walk you know, around you know, doing everything and saying everything exactly the way I'm supposed to by the power of the Spirit in me. But the thing is, what defines my life? is a love for God and a love for the brothers and sisters in Christ. Because that's what is, has happened as a result of God coming in and changing me. And what happens is, is that is a witness to the rest of the world. Even something as simple as a, a prayer. You know, and I've mentioned this before that, you know, I'm, I'm very blessed to be able to be a part of the, the Memorial Day services uh, in the town of Ellington. And I had someone come up to me and say, you know what, Pastor Bill, when you pray, it's almost as if you really know God in a really personal way. See, that's what happens. The world's going to see and notice the difference. It's not going to be just repetition. It's not going to be just checking off a box. It's not going to be just attending church. It's going to be showing your love for God and love for the brothers. And the only way that you can do that is if you genuinely have the gift of faith that only God gives. I can't help you do that. 
You can't do it in your own power. I can't love you in my own strength, but I can love you in the strength of God. Even when you hurt me, even when you say things you shouldn't, and I'm not accusing anybody here this morning, but the thing is, we're, we're people. Sometimes we say things we, we just don't think about because we're, we're quick to speak and, and, and slow to listen. So how should this inform our lives today? I've got three things to share with you. First is, <clears throat> make sure that we do not have a loveless faith. Because a loveless faith, the question is, is we need to ask is, do we have genuine faith then? But you know, this letter that was sent to Ephesus, to the saints that were in Ephesus, if you remember to the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verses 1 to 7, which we're not going to take the time to read because you've probably read the letters to the churches, um, probably right up there as much as you've read the Gospel of John. There's a curiosity about the churches in Revelation. But what was it that John pointed out under the inspiration of the Spirit about the church at Ephesus? Well, they were commended for their doctrinal vigilance and endurance. But this is what he had to rebuke them about. They had abandoned their first love. So do you see this connection here? It is possible that you can get so wrapped up in doctrinal vigilance and uh, you know, enduring in relation to all of the, if you want to call it the uh, ins and outs of Christianity, that you'll lose your love for God. You make it an intellectual pursuit. There are people that love to debate other people just so they can show how smart they are in the scriptures. I can tell you I've got a lot to learn in the scriptures. There's a lot of truth there that God still needs to show me. But the thing is, is we can get so much involved in all of the inner workings of the church, the inner workings of knowledge that we miss the relationship with God, that we lose our first love. And the solution that John gave them was to remember, repent, and do the works done at first. So the thing that is a caution for us this morning is make sure that you do not have a loveless faith. Make sure that you don't just make your, your walk with God a walk with yourself. Because if, you, if you're just making it about yourself, if you're just making it academic, if you're just making it about coming to church to be seen, you know, if you're just you know, saying your prayers in order to be heard, you know, all of those things, you, know, you have to step back and say, first, do I truly have genuine faith? Because if you have genuine faith, you have a genuine love for God and a genuine love for the saints. See, sound theology is no substitute for love. Now, I'm not putting down sound theology at all because we need to be students of this word and we need to have sound theology. We need to know the truth. But you need to know the truth and be able to communicate it in love. Because I could sit here and beat you over the head all day long with the truth of the word of God. But part of my job as a shepherd is to lovingly share the truth with you. To tell you along with you that, you know what, I don't, I stumble and fall. I'm still part of the body. I may have a gifting that's different than yours. But the thing is, is that we can't just make it all about theology and forget the aspect of love for one another. 
because we can beat each other over the head with truth all day long. Let God do the beating over the head. Because, you know, as you look at the Word of God, what is the Word of God, you know, likened to a hammer? The hammer's not in your hand. You're just sharing the truth in love. Let God do the hammering. And some people will tell you, well, you just need to communicate the truth no matter what. Well, the Bible says it's something a little bit different because we're supposed to share the truth in love. It's because of God's love that we even have the truth at all. Second, make sure that we walk by God's word, which seems pretty simplistic, but yet very deep and profound. 1 John chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may, or may be sure that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So in other words, you need to follow the example of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who took on flesh, who walked amongst us. Because everything that he said and he did was for the purpose of communicating the truth in love. Now, it didn't mean that he didn't, you know, at times call people out in their sin. But remember, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. It is his truth. But he always did it for the purpose of, you know, showing love and reconciling people. Think about the woman at the well. He knew everything there was to know about her even her relationship status. And he could have beat her over the head all day long about adultery and living in sin. But he spoke truth and love to her. Which brings me to the last point. Make sure that we speak the truth in love. Which takes us to the closer to the end of the book of Ephesians. And uh, this is just as a point of reference this morning. We'll get into it deeper when we get to chapter 4. But it says there in verses 15 and 16, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Did you catch all of that? That's a lot of, of words there. So speaking the truth in love... We are to grow up in every way into who? God, into Jesus, who is the head, into Christ, it says, from whom the whole body is joined and held together. Okay, so when I rejoice, you rejoice. When I hurt, you hurt. Because we're part of a body. We are held together by every joint which is equipped when each part is working properly, so in other words, when you are, you know, walking with God, when you are examining yourself to making sure that the faith that you've been given as a gift from God is evident itself in the fruit of the Spirit, that is evidencing itself in a love for God, first and foremost, and then a love for others. When all that is working the way it's supposed to, look what it says. It makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. See, it almost seems like a paradox. So if I love the way God loves, then it's going to actually take and build itself up in love. 
See, when we do things God's way, guess what? Then we can expect God to be a blessing no matter what. So even when I don't do what I'm supposed to do, because of your faith, which Paul, as you read his letters, oftentimes he was encouraged by other people's faith. And I, doubt, I have no doubt in my mind that when Paul penned this, he says, For this reason, because I heard of your faith in Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward all the saints, that wasn't just a matter of fact. That was a, a matter of encouragement for God's faithful servant. To be encouraged by the fact that people are walking with God, that God is continuing to transform people, that their, their love for God is, is evidenced so that the world sees that there's a difference, so that it stands out so much that reports are getting back to Paul where he is so that the world knows that Jesus Christ not only saves, but he saves completely. And he changes you from the inside out. So that when every um, joint is equipped and when every part is working as it, it should properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. It produces something. Just like any type of machinery or anything else, when it's working the way it's supposed to, when you, know, you go in to start your car, you know, when all the fluids are in there like they're supposed to be, when all the gears are all meshed together, and you turn that key, something beautiful happens you know all of a sudden you've got the freedom to be able to go someplace. But what happens when one of those gears isn't working the way it's supposed to? Well, it doesn't function properly. And the same is true in relation to the church. So speak the truth in love and grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So don't grow up in, in, in the way of Pastor Bill Diggins. Grow up in the way of Christ. See, it's all about him. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Christ. He is the one who saves. He is the one through whom we have salvation. See, that's the beautiful thing. And when God comes in, he changes people. So if you are here this morning and you do not feel changed, if you feel like you're just going through some rote repetition, then you need to examine yourself against the truth of the word of God. Because there's a possibility that you're not a believer. It doesn't mean that we don't go through valleys. It doesn't mean that we don't go through times where, you know, uh, we, we desire to, to come to God because we're just feeling spiritually dry. But the thing is, if you feel like you're just going through motions, and this is just one of them, then you really need to take a heart search and say, do I truly know the truth have I truly experienced the love of God? Do I have a love for God and a love for people? Because if you don't, then maybe you need the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to accept the gift of faith from God. If you're here as a believer this morning, then this should be an encouragement to you that God's not done with you yet. And then even when you do say and do things that you should not, that the rest of the family is going to love you. And that when times when someone else says something to you, guess what? You have the opportunity to love them. And you do so because God loved you. Jesus gave himself so that we too could learn to love the unlovable just like God loved the unlovable. Because God is love. And his love sent his son to the cross. So rejoice in that. 
and know that God is doing a great work in you. Not just to save you. This is not just saving you from hell. This is for the purpose of others being able to see what God does. Because there are others, because if, you know, every day that we're still here shows God's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. So you have somebody that needs to see the truth in love. They need to see that you have a love for God and a love for the saints. That there is community here, that we are a family because of Christ. Not because of the building, not because of the pastor, not because of the programs, but we're a family because of Christ. Let's bow for a closing word of prayer. Gracious Father, Lord, we thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the gift of faith, a gift that only comes from you. I cannot give anyone the gift of faith no more than they can give me the gift of faith. Because the faith to believe only comes from you. And so, Father, Lord, as those who have received the free gift of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, those who have put their faith and trust in him forever, who have eternal life, who are sealed with the Holy Spirit as a guarantee, who have an inheritance that uh, awaits them, all those things that are to the praise of your glory. May we live in 2022 as those that are living to the praise of your glory, that we are students of the truth, And that through your spirit, we may communicate that truth in love. Because there's those that need your son. There are believers that need encouragement. And you are worthy of all praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen.